Welcome to the next edition of the SWBL podcast. I'm your host, Brian Benware, and we are joined today by two Hall of Famers, Scott Poley, even though it says Kevin, it is Scott, and Gus Skibby. How you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it. Um, today's episode is presented by 1356 Public House, our presenting sponsor for season 20, our opening day sponsor, and they're going to host the Friday night social event. Um, so if you are uh, in the area, get over there to Big Ben and 141, check out their huge menu, and they also have trivia nights on Wednesdays. So if you don't have anything going on, get over there, support our sponsor. We'd really appreciate it. But Really, today is uh, something pretty exciting for me. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while now, but we are going to do an origin story on two of the SWBL greats. Um, Gus started his uh, his career in 2005, season three, and then Scott started his in 2007, just a few years later. So we're going to get into that, a little bit of their backstory, and then kind of the big news of the day, guys. So um, you guys have anything to add to the opening here or want to just dive in glad to be uh, here brian you yeah thanks nice. for having us brian Sweet. yeah what all right cool um well yeah let's dive in so first off how did you guys become friends <laughs> Gus, like, do, you remember, do you remember when we first met i don't remember when we first met i just know in sixth grade um I remember all of the cool kids at recess in sixth grade played basketball and everybody, all the cool kids played basketball. And I got to imagine we met there because it was competitive and that was where all like the friendships were formed. Um, I'm maybe assuming that, I don't know, but maybe recess or were you in Mr. Rademeyer's homeroom? Not homeroom, but I was on blue team. Okay. We were on the same, we were on the same team. And Ed Lodaman was my locker partner. Really? Oh, okay. That probably helped facilitate. For sure. Also. And Ed Lo and I were good friends until he left to go to Dismet, which didn't you go there, Brian? No, no. I'm I'm not even from St. Louis. Originally. Oh, okay. Never mind. You're from I'm Kansas. from where you where you live now. That's right, that's right. But yeah, man, that's where our friendship started. And so we, wait, uh, were you one of the cool kids playing basketball? I like to say I was. Scott and Kevin were much cooler than I was, but no. I was, yeah. But we used to play, there was like a bunch of us that would play, like it was a game called 21, which is like the individual had to get to 21, but anytime you got close, it just became like a war. And yeah. it was always like a lot of fun. So, yeah. Well, sweet. And then we, uh, I feel like our friendship just flourished and we played Pokemon a ton. A middle ton. School and, uh, what were the, we played video games. Played video games. We had lots of sleepovers and yeah. But ever since ever since then, we've only gotten closer though. I think the older the older you get, the more mature you are with your conversations and you can dive a little dive a little deeper and you know, we, we've explored spirituality together and figuring out how to pursue Jesus together. So mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Scott and I attend the same church. Oh, nice. So a little roundabout here, even though I haven't been around since sixth grade. So 
<laughs> it's cool. I mean, I always talk about with this league and like the history behind it and like being sort of, sort of an outsider, but just not being in that core group of people who grew up together. Right. Like, even though, like you said, your relationships mature and you, you talk about deeper and, and more big picture life topics, like you still have that history, which is also just as cool. You know, I yeah. wish that some of my friends from grade school like playing this league because it would just, it makes it that much sweeter. So, um, well, so then how did you guys like get into wiffle ball? I mean, I kind of assume with Gus, like how that started and then therefore Kevin, but like, tell me the story of being introduced to wiffle ball and then how you got started playing in the actual league or was there a different league you played in first? Can you call me Kevin? No, <laughs> you and Kevin. He's oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna make it first. No, sorry. Yeah, no, I was Uh, saying Sam. I was trying to be funny. Sam was in eighth grade when the league started. I was in fourth grade. And I did not play the first two years of existence because one, I think Sam was embarrassed of me, you know, because I was his younger brother. And it's not cool to hang out with your younger brother. So he didn't let me play for two years. Um, and then I finally came into the scene in season three which I was paired with the best player in the league at the time, which was Brett. And we went 11 and one. I think it was the only year there's ever been 12 games in a season. Um, And then they're like, oh man, this, I'm actually, I can play with the older kids. So um, yeah, Sam definitely introduced me and has been the reason why I still play wiffle ball today because he's the organizer. He's the the go-getter. And I'm just kind of the guy that, rides in the coattails of the last name skibby so <laughs> but scott you can share yeah. how you introduced i remember i was uh if you know the skibby's house you know the what would be equivalent to a basement but it's kind of not a basement because of the way the layout is um and i remember sitting around the classic round table and being on the high chair and hanging out, I think it's probably from a sleepover. I was just over hanging out uh, with Gus and Sam came back with the parents and they'd walked in from the garage and Sam asked, hey, do you guys want to play in the wiffle ball league? And like, when you become friends with Gus, like you're always playing some type of game or there's like an adventure, especially during like a sleepover, you're doing something. And in the early years, all the stats and standings and rosters were all Sam would hand write those out on poster boards and hang them in the game room. So when you're going to like pick out a game, you're like seeing all of like the past, you know, at that time, four years. And like, we actually talked about it and Gus would tell us like the stories of like, and it would be like super fun. So when he asked um, us, me and Kevin to play, we were like really super excited. So, yeah. Yeah, man, Scott and Kevin were the first two friends of mine in my generation of friends to join the league. So um, they definitely were, um, you know, great origins of the league with me and in our age group and helped form, you know, uh, another side of uh, the league so for sure well and now you know the rest of the league has you guys to think because you are in part of the front office I know you 
had mentioned Sam and how much he organized and he does a great job and a ton of work on it, but you guys are a part of the front office and everything that every, the way it's grown, you guys have had a hand in too. So um, if not for that season five and that intro by Sam, just coming in the garage and saying, come play wiffle ball that, you know, who knows where we'd be, but um, you know, one thing, that might be overlooked and you guys had kind of mentioned it a little bit about, you know, again, your rookie year being 2005 and then your rookie year being 2007, but you both won championships, your rookie seasons, which not a lot of people say anymore. I didn't think about that. Yeah. 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 You both yeah. won championships in your rookie year and Gus hate to say it, but that was also your last championship was. One with Scott. Yep. Two thousand seven. So, yeah. So yeah, Gus, you won, you won an 05, 06 and 07. So three straight. Yep. Um, and then Scott, you won 07, 08, had a little break, then 11, which was actually the last year prior to the franchise era starting. And then you won again in 2019 with the Yankees, captaining the Yankees. So, um, you know, going back a little bit to those early days, and even though you had a ton of success, I'm curious what it was like playing with you know Brett and Bertram and Sam like during their heydays of wiffle ball not that Sam's really not any good anymore or even Brett but I've heard stories of how good and how dominant they were back then so what was it like kind of coming into the league with those guys uh do you want me to answer that first guys <laughs> sure yeah I I would just say like I mean back then like not that we're tainted now but like back then it was very just pure like it wasn't like we were and we we're just so like I mean relatively like we were just a lot younger and at that time like the wiffle ball league it was just fun to just be a part of a wiffle ball league that played throughout the summer and um that you it was just like hey like you get a text like can you play today and of course you have like not really much going on yeah. <laughs> like of course I do and it was a little bit unique because my rookie year I think I missed like probably four or five games or three three or four games because of just you playing like sports that you have are you know already commitments towards but to answer the question going back to that I would just say it wasn't like you were being like oh like this lure it was just like you just played and you're like dang it these guys are good <laughs> you know like yeah. but um you know that was back too where it's like you didn't have a, a strike zone the fences were a lot shorter there wasn't a pitching mound it was just like you were pitching with the slant of the hill so you're like pitching upwards you know yeah. and uh yeah I think it was just in a little bit way like there's not as many rules um a lot more freedom, way more heavy towards the hitters. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I think it was just a little, a little bit more pure. I, even though I played a year or two with Birchman in the league, I don't really remember him as much. Because um, I think that was probably when he was starting to tail off. Um, yeah. And I mean, I played two years before Scott and, you know, right in Bertram's best years. And I, a lot of people in the league can't say they played with him, but he was, he just had the, the smoothest swing. I mean, it was just a pretty swing and him and I would say him like Derek Cornell, John Callaway, they just got pretty swings and it's just the lefty 
pretty swing, but Bertram would just mash the ball. And I remember he would hit hit balls over over the uh, the neighbor's house. And I, we've hit a few that have hit the roof, but like his went over the roof. I mean, he just hit the ball so hard. And um, yeah, it was it was fun to play with, you know, all the all the old guys. And um, it's so interesting, you know, because it's been so long since we played a summer league. And there's parts of that that I miss um, just because you see everybody more often. And but the one thing I do not miss at all about that is uh, is subs and <laughs> constant every single game. There was usually a sub that played and it was just it kind of ruined it a little bit, um, but it was just all we knew is get subs that we need lots of subs and um like Edlo, Edlo was a sub the first five years of wiffle ball existence <laughs> and even before Kevin and Scott played and I didn't ask him to play I asked the police to play even though he was a sub before that so um just you know funny memories but he's been uh, getting overlooked since he started yes. is what you're saying uh-huh. <laughs> um but well, yeah. let's talk about yeah let's talk about that season five we kind of mentioned it but so I was looking at some of the stats um and like kind of where you finished so you were pre-ranked seventh um yeah. we figured out which is pr- pretty crazy to think I mean out of eight so let's keep that in mind um and then to me it looked like going into what would have been the playoffs you were a, a, like about a four seed there were a couple people with the same record you just had a few less runs, and I assumed that was the tiebreaker maybe back then, so I kind of assumed that. But, you know, statistically, you guys were kind of middle of the road. Um, you weren't terrible, but you weren't really in the top five of really any category. So what do you guys remember kind of about that season, about winning that championship um, and kind of how that propelled going forward for the next few years? You know, being we were young and very skinny at the time, and I know I still am. Um, Scott's not as skinny as I am, but we we did not we weren't home run hitters at all. By no means, like we were nowhere near the top ninety percent of the league in home runs. And I know, like thinking now, like yeah, we hit a lot of home runs, but we did not back then. And we took advantage of the uh, not having pitchers poison. It was constant, hit a single, hit a single, hit at the opposite field. The runner scores, hit a single, hit it to opposite field. And Scott and I were just, we were just good at that. And it really didn't click until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And when the playoffs finally hit, we're like, we were just on fire, hitting the ball in places where people weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just rode that to the championship. And um, yeah, it was great. I remember the uh, one, you're just kind of like flying by the seat of your pants, you know, like just like, especially the first year we were talking before we start hit live, like in practice, me or Kevin were not good. Like we were not good at all. And kind of like your classic, like you play baseball and it doesn't translate, which we've seen a lot in the league. And um, I remember the championship game um I texted Sam it was actually Brett and Craig uh no it was uh let me look at Jeff that and Craig. Jeff and Craig or Brett and Andrew 
Brett and Andrew. Andrew was the one thrown fast. Oh, he said Bertram and Craig. Oh, okay. So it was Bertram and Craig who were seven and three. I'm just looking at the stats right now. Had a plus 34 run differential. They had won six going into the playoffs straight. And I, I don't know how, but we were the home team, Gus. Really? And at least that's how I remember it. Because oh, okay. I remember us hitting like a walk off. Oh, yeah. A single to right field or something. Single to right field. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't know how that, I don't know how we did that. I think we did the playoffs differently back then um, on like how seed it happened. I think it was like rock, paper, scissors or like a coin flip, maybe. I don't know. When Sam watches this, he'll correct it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember like hitting like, Cause it was two man. Like that was it. It was just two batters. And so like you hit and we, you would have like Gus would hit and it would be a double or a single. And then we'd just be like, hit Apple baby. Hit Apple. <laughs> like, Cause they weren't playing that way. And we just kept doing that. Like that's how we ended up winning the championship. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was even before trophy. So you're just like, all right, nice. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about Craig. If you're, Craig was the one pitching and he was yeah. just throwing gas. And <laughs> since we're the young kids, we said no words. And no we're one said word. Yeah. yeah. But Craig just throwing gas. But there was no ball, there was no walks. Or was there walks? There was no walks. So no. Because there's no strike zone yeah. and, and in season five. Or maybe there was. I can't remember. But uh we just waited for our pitch and took it to the opposite field. Yeah. So, well, let's jump ahead just a touch. I want to talk about season nine. So 2011, the last year before the franchise era started. Um, I can't say this was necessarily your greatest seasons individually, but you two combined, this might be the top when you consider that you were the interim commissioner that year, Gus, yep. and you won the triple crown and the MVP. And then Scott, you won Cy Whiffle gold hands and you won the championship so that was a pretty crazy year for the two of you combined um even though i don't think you played together that year um what do you guys remember about about that year and right before the franchise era kind of started that last season kind of capping that old era off i'll start first guess that's a uh, very controversial year <laughs> is it oh i'm glad i brought it up to be fair to the history, yes, it is. I'll, I'll get to that because that's towards the end. But uh, at the second base with John Callaway, that yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Oh boy. Uh, but Gus, that was the year that me and you both did insanity the summer that summer. 2011, it was yeah, yeah summer after our freshman year of college. Yeah, so um, we were at the top of our game. Man, we were we both. The backstory is we both wanted to like try to build muscle and get fit for the year. And so like we both we bought a insanity, which is a 60 day like burner. It's not for bulk at all. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Gus are like about as thin as you know, the wind could blow us over. And um we're drinking protein shakes, thinking it was, it's gonna be going, we went to GNC, we got yeah. some protein and like yeah, but we got, I mean, we were, that's probably one of the best shapes I've ever been in. Just like that really worked, by the way. Shout yeah. out 
Um, I, I would say to be fair too, that was probably not to be mean to a lot of the players that year, but from a talent across the board perspective, I don't know if that was necessarily like, I, I, I probably had no business winning Cy Wiffle, but I think from what I remember when we were discussing it with Sam, it was like, I was the second best pitcher and Gus was the first. And Sam's like, we can't give Gus all the awards for the year. <laughs> so because I was, so I went because it was second, I got Cy Wiffle uh, and gold hands. I, I don't know why. I think there, there actually could be statistics to back that up. Yeah. But um, maybe but, before we go to the end, you can go. And talk I think that, yeah. The funny part about that is, you call me the interim commissioner. I, I Sam was still the commissioner. He was in New York, but he was still the commissioner. He, he was, watched every single game on his laptop. I would have to set it up and he would watch every single game. And he confirmed, like double check the stats. He did everything still. All I did was set up a, a computer screen and I had to text the, the teams. But yeah, what was um, he doing in New York? He was uh, his ex-wife was uh doing an internship or something in oh, new york okay. so he, was up there. he was living with her yeah okay up there um but yeah so he was he was the commissioner but <laughs> i was back to when uh when you took when we took stats it was a clipboard a piece of paper a pencil and like the names, and you would just tally like mm -hmm. boom 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 so, yeah. Yeah. so okay. errors were really discretionary to whoever was doing the scorekeeping it still is discretionary to everyone yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and i don't even know if we kept airs back then i mean like i mean yeah, we, did. we did i we would did. imagine you had to if you did a gold hands of yeah. some sort or it was just at least put out the stats are so much more beefier now than what they were you know mm -hmm. yeah. cool well so now after that season we went to the franchise era so how just briefly like how have you seen the league evolve from the previous eras into what is now the franchise era? I mean, you both started franchises, the Yankees, the Royals. Um, so how have you kind of seen that transition into what we, the kind of style we play now? Was it a big um, jump, like from the old version to the new version? I can answer that first, Gus. Go ahead. Um, I would say like, that year so that would have been after season nine so that would have been 2012 that was 11 so 2012 yep that's when the league really had to like kind of take a step back and like realize like hey we're not high school or middle schoolers anymore yep you know we're in college you guys are out of college getting real jobs and summers are becoming I guess, less convenient. And so there was a, there was a lot of talk about like, how do we keep the longevity of the league? And that's where just through a lot of conversations, the idea of the franchise era began. And I remember sitting at the same round table that I was sitting at when Sam walked in and asked if we wanted to be part of the football league. And it was me, Gus, Paul, Spencer? Mm, no. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he was the Indians captain, wasn't he? Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and we all four were sitting around the table. And God love him. Paul goes, I'm the worst one here, which was true at the time. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the first, I'm the worst one here. I kind of deserve if we're going to do draft style. Because we're all friends. I mean, that's the core of the leagues were friends. And so we went about it of trying to like be somewhat fair on like, how do we do that? And you had like a list of names because I think also was that the year where we did like tryouts at Carmen trails it, to get like a pool of players. It was, but we were only going to take like one or two players. So pretentious of us. <laughs> at a tryout. I mean, there was kids coming out of the woods, like trying it out. There was like probably a hundred kids there the young kids like kids that are a few years younger than us but there were so many kids and had tryouts in the on the blacktop and who was and we're going to say the same person but who was the best person that we did not keep like he was the best person there by far pitching you remember who it was no, I didn't. no. Matt, matt eplin do you remember matt eplin i didn't i do remember matt eplin i this is starting to jog my memory, but I'm really he was the craftiest pitcher. And just because he wasn't friends with anybody, we did not keep him in the league. We are jerks. We are jerks. <laughs> we are jerks. But that's where Jackson, we Jackson came in um, during that time. He had he was there at tryouts. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a very pretentious stuff. <laughs> I mean, I remember we were like, uh, yeah, just oh, looking back on that, that's like a cringeworthy thing that we did but i yeah, remember wait going back what scott was saying about the round table um so paul said he was the worst and so he got the first like pick and it wasn't like a it wasn't picks it was like who's going to be paired with who like the tier two of players and chris metter was the at the top of that tier two and everybody that, wanted chris and everybody wanted chris um, so Paul was paired with Chris and that was when the Rays, their dynasty for the next three years began, mm-hmm. um, is, was because of that one conversation and, and then they won the next three years. Um, and then didn't they get, didn't we do it? Like he got first draft pick, got Chris, and then he got like the first next pick also. I think we did it that way. So then, then he picked Derek, Derek Thompson. So, I mean, yeah. who knew that the very next year Paul was going to be home run king and then yeah. just go on like a tear for the next right. three years and continue. Yeah. yeah. So we all, I remember that year, it'd be interesting to hear Gus who you drafted. I remember I uh, got Sam Bakula. I remember getting a text before Sam being uh, from Sam and us being like, we're going to be on the same team. It's just who's going to be a third. And then I drafted Jackson, but Jackson was out of town that summer and so then we got uh craig boyd and That's right that was right. him and craig boyd and uh just no pitching at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah fun year i uh i got i wanted edlo and uh i remember we were we were kind of a pair and so i got edlo first um and then second was the, the last pick was Will Rath, I remember. Um, 
So we were a solid team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Solid team. So. Sweet. Well, that kind of takes us into, you know, the franchise era. And really, I want to start focusing more on the Yankees um, because the news of the day, obviously, is Gus signing with the Yankees on a max 10-year deal. So uh, not really a surprise to anybody, maybe the deal, but um, how, you know, I got a couple questions around this. First, you know, Gus, why did you go ahead at this point and disband the Royals? Because now the Yankees are one of only three of the original franchises left. Um, You got the A's, you know, and the Rockies. And then that's it. All the other original franchises have been disbanded. So mm-hmm. what went into your decision to kind of move on from the Royals? Um, and then we'll get into some other stuff about the signing. I, I, to be honest, I don't like being a captain. Um, I haven't, I don't really like making those. I don't really like making decisions. Um, the, the one thing I did not like about our, situation every year we fell in this situation was always trying to find a fourth person and the turnover for that fourth spot was just it kept on going um and i didn't like someone had to leave or couldn't come back and it was just constant finding people and i was not a fan of that and um that's one two we were cursed and I don't believe in curses, but that's the closest to belief in a curse is uh, the Royals just being a team and me winning again. It's been 15 years. I haven't won in 15 years. Like I need it. I need to leave. I need to leave. Um, we've had two 10 0 seasons. We've had, we're the best. I would, I think our stats back this up of our regular season record, but we're the best regular season record team ever i think i looked at it we were 65 and 25 the closest were the brewers and they were like 63 and 28 or something but um we needed i needed a change um and usually who the people that leave the royals the next year they win a championship which has happened to spencer and edlo uh, and will and so ty and sam will probably win a championship this next year or in the future um but um i don't want to call me the curse i'm going to say the royals are the curse um but uh, thirdly i've always wanted to play again with scott because we haven't played together since season five and i've never played with kevin before um and you know and both of them are best friends of mine i really want to you know, have fun with my good friends and, and play with them. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my reasoning behind it. Okay. Well, so Scott, then tell me a little bit, like, how did, how did it transpire signing Gus? Um, you know, how long maybe was this in the works that at some point, maybe this would happen? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if there was ever like a turning point. I think there was just always like, you know, after every year in the hot tub or the side conversations, there was probably always like, how, like, will we ever get to do this? Like, will we ever get to play with each other ever again? And 
like it was hard because you see like some teams like would fold and then they would combine and it'd be like oh like dang it like would that ever present itself you know and we haven't had from the Yankees perspective a lot of turnover over the years I mean that's something that like I think as a captain I was always pretty proud of it was like there was some good like camaraderie and loyalty um with the Yankees and I mean we're the best up and down team ever <laughs> ever you just never know what you're gonna get but yeah. um it just was the right time you know it was the right time uh John made a decision last year um which turned out to be a great decision for him. And um, he's starting a new franchise and that kind of circulated as he was doing that. You start thinking about like people playing with their friends and like what I've absolutely wanted to figure out a way to like sign Gus and Jackson. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, Oh my gosh. But like um, that never was a discussion. And when John told me um about not coming back to the Yankees in that same conversation we were also talking about him starting a new franchise and like him kind of asking me you know would the front office or would Sam even allow that that was also at the same time that the front office had even mentioned like there's nobody there's always there's like eras of friends that all are kind of on the same team with each other. You know, you got kind of like the Brewers and the Expos and the Marlins. And then you have like the Twins, the A's, the Yankees, et cetera. And there was John's graduating class was kind of like scattered between all of them. And so in that same time frame, you had the front office had like, we had brought up like, you know, like, when will that age group ever get like to have a team to bring more of their age group friends into the league? And so like, just kind of timing, you know, like all of that was talking about at once. And so when that started talking for me, I was thinking this is a really good time for that fourth, my, the fourth player to come on the team for Gus and, I can't say that we've been colluding for years because none of it was really serious. You know, it was always just like, we, we want to play on the same team together. And every time we would have like interviews for Sam to like fill out the captain interviews, like it'd always be like somebody else. I was always like, I want to play with Gus. And then Gus would be like, I'll play with somebody else. But it'd be like, well, you know, so there was, um, yeah, I mean, it's been talked about for since 2005 always coming back and yeah. every year it's been it's been talked about yeah so. i don't know if you remember and i think i texted it to you guys but i took a picture last year before anything was announced and anything was certain but i got a picture of you and kevin and gus mm-hmm. in left field and i just you guys were talking and i was like hey and i took a picture and i was like oh uh this maybe a little foreshadowing, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, you talked about who you wanted to play with and, and I know you're excited for it, but what, I mean, Gus, you've been playing with Sam for however many years now, what's it going to be like not, not playing with him now? Yeah. So kind of back, going back up to, I think 2015, whatever season, the Cardinals, when they were like, 
they're not coming back. Him, Brett, Nick Lape, whatever year that was. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2015. Yeah. They, they, it's, that's when they decided they're not going to come back. And just like Scott's talking about with timing, that was the perfect opportunity because Sam and I have always wanted to play together also since we won the championship in 2004. And it worked out where that's when the Rays were disbanding too. So were the Cardinals and we're like, so I talked with Chris because Chris didn't really have a team. So Chris decided, Chris and I both decided and Edlo and Spencer will tell you elsewise that I kicked them off the team. But Chris and I said, we can do this three-way thing where I'll get Sam. I can bring Ty Butler on the team, but I need a place for Edlo and Spencer to go to keep the league functioning and that's when they became that trio of now three championships which you know people leave me and they win so uh but yeah that was I mean it was a hard decision then but so coming back I played with Sam the past six years I think um I I know I just signed a 10-year deal but I will tell you it's not forever with Sam being gone out of my team I was God, please don't sign to the Yankees too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm going to be on the Yankees for 10 years. I know my contract says that, but you know how contracts are with a wiffle ball league. It's not always uh, the same, but I, I'm glad to be on the Yankees. But I did tell Sam, I texted him um, after I signed the deal. Um, you know, I did feel, I felt sadness, um, you know, cause it's your brother, the person that, is your blood that you've been playing with for so long. It's, it's sad, um, but it's not forever. I could see us definitely running back up in the future. So we'll see. Sweet. Well, you mentioned the 10 year deal again. Um, and with the assumption you'll be there for 10 years. So like what Scott, what are your expectation, you know, for the next, I don't know, however many years, like just for the years to come for the Yankees. Um, I hope that we have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, just a big shift in your team makeup. I will say this. Know. I will say this. This is going to be a controversial statement. I look forward to, um, uh, how do I say this like politely? Um, a skibby being on my team so that the Yankees aren't like, getting runged out all the time, probably from our history, probably by our own doing. But I would say in the past probably five years that we've been, we have, in my opinion, in one of those years at least should have been up for at least branches of the year of just like contributions being like level-headed people playing. And so I just look forward to like having Gus on our team and like, I don't know, it's just from a like persona it probably actually hurts us, but I don't care. Um, so I, I don't really have expectations because this, the league is going to be so competitive next year yeah. and mm -hmm. the year after. And it's just about, can you get hot at the right time? And you just never know. Mm -hmm. And especially with me and the Yankees, one year we're good and one year we're trash. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You think about Jackson. So really, Jackson's gone, I'm in. 
if you look at stats, our Jackson is Jackson's a good hitter and he's a great pitcher. And almost our stats are very similar. So if you like look at pure stats, like the, the team makeup is not that much different. Jackson and I could be traded out or we're similar stat wise. The only difference is um, I'm really good friends with the guys on the Yankees. And I think that maybe play more into the camaraderie. I don't know, but Jackson's well-liked. Um, but, you know, I'm just no, trying I to. Wouldn't, I would I say like there's a draw and you, you still have, you know, three of your four from last year on the team, you know, and I looked a little bit into, you know, Kevin and Sam's careers, but Kevin started, like you said, the same year you did, he actually, not to bring it up, but he outperformed you in almost every category. Oh yeah. Um, it was really close. Like most of them were like Kevin Scott, Kevin Scott, Kevin Scott, but, and then, you know, Sam began the year after. So mm -hmm. other than maybe the Orioles, like you guys have probably the most longevity, the, the most seasons under your belt of any team. Um, yeah. when, you, when you combine the four of you, That's um, true. So, you know, you've got that going for you, but I, I, I would agree. I don't think there's any drop off um, losing, you know, going from Jackson to Gus. I mean, you guys are usually one you know, in top three for Cy Wiffle and, and all of that. So, um, you know, and everybody, you know, you're a top tier team and it's a, it's a scary roster when you look at it on paper too. So. Um, yeah. We all, uh the only uh, the other other thing is Jackson didn't really fit the look of the Yankees. Now we have four really tall, yeah. lanky players. And I, I think you said you should be the Red Sox, just like the green monster, because it's just height everywhere <laughs> in the field. Now we're all like we're just going to be a presence of intimidating other teams with our size. So that's our goal. You need really a bus like like really high, no muscles, but purely. Well, but no you need muscles. like the bus, like at football games, you know, and you have the biggest guy on your team get off for intimidation, but it's just the four of you walking out <laughs> onto the field, just like roll up in a Jeep or something, just walk out onto the field. It would be, be sad if I would say it just, I would say if, if Gus left and we hadn't won a championship or if we just bam, we had one championship, I, I think I would be sad. <laughs> it would be like, dang, but that's with everybody. So. That's how I felt when I joined Sam, you know? I was yeah. like, and the league was like, this is unfair that Sam and Gus were joining and we don't win. So anybody can win. Anybody can win. Well, do you yeah. think, so you think joining the Yankees, you think that's what it's going to take to get the Yankees, you know, back over the top and win another championship? I think that's the, the Yankees have already proved that they are winners. They won two years ago. So I'm joining a winning franchise that has won. And if you replace Jackson with me it's not really much of a difference so mm -hmm. well I think we'll be I think we'll make a well, shot maybe a better question would be to maybe steady the roller coaster you got you had mentioned the up and down like do you think maybe that plays this signing plays a different role and you know that goes forward I would say that's a good question I'd say potentially I mean I'd say like if you if you just take me and Gus and you look at don't take my pitching stats because those are all over the board but like if you take hitting and you probably look at our past three or four years, like they're genuinely pretty consistent. Yeah. So um, 
maybe having another person like that because my biggest mistake as a manager hands down was for some reason I've apologized profusely over the years to Jackson about this it's just like I don't know why I never like we never allowed him to hit why I never like why in my head I thought that like I had whatever we don't have to get into it it's not that it's not that podcast but I would just say like Jackson's rise over the past few years like it's kind of going like this you know and so other players have had like Sam had a down year Kevin's on the rise and so it's just like if you have another person on your team that's consistent you would hope that there would be more consistency yeah um, you have so not to jinx us but well let's move into our last topic and it's a topic that i'm calling this week i'm calling it the unknown um it's a top it's five questions um that scott and gus were not privy to before we started recording and i'm just going to shoot them out and whoever wants to speak first can go if you're both thinking i can answer to to fill some space but um some of them are kind of you know layups but then hopefully other ones are a little bit more fun so um what you know you guys have played in the in the league for a long time as we talked about what is your fondest memory from the past 19 seasons of the Skibby Wiffleball League fondest memory I know you have so many to choose from it's crazy I mean, I don't like the cop out answer is like what everyone will say is like the friendships, the memories, like yeah. So, but I want you to pick one moment that sticks out to you. Maybe it's not your favorite in the end. Maybe you know, in a week you'd be like, "Oh, I should have said this one." But what's one that jumps out at you? I mean, it's hard to. I mean, okay. I have to, can I have two? Can I have two? Yeah, you can have. Yeah, you got your podcast. One of one of my fondest memories is the first year the skills challenge happened was so pure in how it happened. There was no like huge plan. Like now it's there's been like there's like these expectations on what it should be like. Yeah. I even the year after the first year of the skills competition, I think a few guys tried to be like the chairs of it and they just like fell apart and we didn't really have it. And the first year was just so fun, like so fun for the skills competition. That's like a pretty fond memory of just like the league and like how that happened. I think we turned on the lights and there was just like a lot of like firsts uh, that year for doing that. That was a ton. Of it was fun. awesome. Yeah. Everybody was just so hyped. It was like the greatest time of everybody's life. Yes. Oh, that was really fun. Yeah. I would say the speaking of first and trying to reinvent it every year um the first year of, of the hot tub and if you don't know what the, the hot tub is it's at the end of every season there's a group of guys that stay after to help clean up and at, usually at the end we haven't had it in the past few years because i've had to go back to Kansas city um but there's a group of guys that sit in my parents hot tub and just reminisce on the season, reminisce on things that'll happen in the future. Um, and there's a picture of all of us uh, that my mom or dad took, but there's like 11 guys in the hot tub the first year and we're just sitting there drinking and, and just 
talking and having fun and, and laughing and you know it's those those memories that i cherish and it's fun so spencer brought that up too that was what he had mentioned oh it was and i asked him he, he he just said it's one of the things he looks forward to and he thinks in you know 30 40 years those will be remember. the things he remembers the most yeah or secondly i don't remember what year this happened but after the season was over we decide we're gonna play a game again but we're all barefoot and then my dad turns on dude that was my other one that was my dad turns on september by earth wind and fire <laughs> and there's a video of it we're all just dancing and clapping in the air and it's just like it's just a pure moment that it, it only happens randomly so that was that was awesome that was a good moment and it's funny that all these moments have nothing to do with wiffle ball um but that's well, kind of really great though. So make it great. Yeah. Um, all right. So give me, I want you to each give me a player that's going to take the next step in their career. My next step. Well, my first initial inclination is Chris Vorbeck. And, but I don't even know if he's going to play this year because apparently he's having a kid, but I would say him, he, for someone to come in and do that well in this environment, really not knowing many people was very impressive. And he has a great swing. He's got a perfect uh, attitude about playing. You know, he's not cocky in any way. He just kind of plays and he's, and that's it. Um, but I, I could have really seen him take it to the next level and possibly be a, a MVP candidate like Corey McCarthy, you know, him being a second year and he kind of just went on fire last year. So yeah, no, no sophomore slump for him, but I could definitely see him doing well. Scott can answer, but since Chris isn't going to be there, I'm going to think of another person. Um, I kind of thought of two. I thought of, um, I think this, um, I thought of Derek Cornell because this will be like the first year that he has like, like a, like a true team, like it's his friends. Um, he, he's going to have a huge role. Um, and I think that there's potential that he takes like the next step and just proving his consistency and what he can bring to the table on the left side. So that's going to be a really interesting team two lefties. Um, and then the other person I was thinking was somebody in the Marlins. Because somebody in the Marlins needs to step, take the next step for the Marlins to keep rising as a team. And who that is, yet to it's not be. Luke. It's not Luke, so. <laughs> Luke's proven himself. He needs to get back to it. He's. I feel like Luke's proven himself enough. But yeah. I've um, been high on Luke for so many years. I put him in my MVP considerations, and he just always lets me down. So. Um, my other person, um, thinking about it more, it's got to be of the Astros. It's got to be Cam Smith. And just playing with him at national tournaments, he's good. And it's so surprising. He is just kind of middle of the road and has been the past few years. So a breakout is, is on the way for his hitting. Um, and that might be what the Astros need to succeed. So, yeah. Awesome. 
Um, what's a story that's not getting enough buzz going into season 20? Storyline of some sort. We had a few last year going into season 20 or season 19. And we've got a few that I, that I can think of. But what do you guys think? And I can yeah, answer if you the, want. I think the buzz will... The buzz will catch up, I think, you know, as we get closer to the season. But yeah, I think one that deserves a lot of, you know, speculation and thought um, is this Orioles team. Like the four player, their starting four is Peter, PG, Sam, and Brett. Like all have been top two. MVP, like close, like really good players. And they're pitching. PG, Brett, and Sam all can pitch really well. I mean, I feel like they're going to be very good. And a lot of people don't see that, or at least I feel it that way. So maybe there's a bit of that. You know, Sam always said there was a curse around the Cardinals. And maybe there's a bit of that undertone with Brett and Sam joining together again. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, to but... on that too, just like it's not. I don't know how well known that is. Like it's not like a that that's the top four team. That's like that's their team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's all not... kind of like piecemealed and and there's a couple of things put on Instagram about. So I don't know how many people know about it, but I would I probably agree with that. I mean, all the signings have been done and it's been announced. It's just yeah, no one has really said like oh like this is their team that's a good team yeah so we'll see um i don't know i haven't to be honest been following a lot of like hot topics throughout the league but i feel like this is going to be a two things this this is going to be a really competitive year this year um top to bottom and i think it's going to be interesting to see how pitching is affected by a consistent gun uh pretty much the whole time like we think we know what it's gonna be like coming into this year but who knows like who knows who's affected by that the most you know yeah um, so you have no idea change. yeah um it's gonna level the playing field out for everybody which mm -hmm. i really like yeah um because pitchers that are known to pitch slower now have the opportunity to pitch a little bit faster yeah pitchers that pitch fast now have to pitch slower so I, I like it. give me a hot take for season 20 so something outlandish but that could conceivably happen uh, do you have ones that have already been said no, I haven't asked. So I, I try to change up a lot of the questions each time so that new guests each time won't necessarily know the question. I've asked the, the, the fondest memory question a couple of times just because I've had, you know, a good amount of history on yeah. as with, with the guests and it's interesting for me, but no, I haven't asked this question yet, so. I think I have a couple. One is the Twins don't make the playoffs. 
to I was going to say the Rockies. That would have been my hot take. I mean, mm. it may not be as surprising, but they're the only team that has always been in the playoffs. Speaking of that hot take, Kyle Brita choosing the lake over season 20. Yeah. I don't care it's about football, but it's just kind of surprising. Like, it's like season 20. Like, you feel like that's kind of like a, a fun year to be a part of. Yeah. Choosing the lake over that. You know, you do what you love. I love, I love it. I love that he did that. If that's what he wants, I support that. You know, why not? Oh, I support it. Surprising. And second, I think John Callaway wins MVP. Is that a hot take? Like, is that he's, hot never take? Been, he's never been in the All Star game, so if he wins MVP, that's really hot he didn't make the all-star game last year he's never been in the all-star game is john here's the question is he more of a second half player though like because that hurts you in all-star like if you have like a beginning but then you really tear it up the last five games then you're not an all-star i don't know it's surprising to hear and being a captain i think he's 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 a good cat i think he's gonna be a good captain he loves the league he advocates for it well and I think he's, you know, he'll be feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything different, Benware. Okay. Outside of Wiffle Ball, what do you guys enjoy spending your time on the most? I, you know, I want some of our listeners who may not come to the league as often to get to know you guys a little bit more as people, too. Why did you smirk? <laughs> me? I, yeah, I don't know. It surprised me too. Well, you know, my initial reaction is um, I two things, two things that I really enjoy doing right now. One, I like playing Rocket League with Kevin Poley. Two, I can, I can attest to that. They do it all. Two, I really like learning about uh, the cryptocurrency nft world i think it's super interesting and that's something that i have enjoyed learning more about in the past few months um and then three my whole time every day is spent with my children so um i love my i love my kids a lot which so, one's your favorite um uh, probably jane for sure people ask me that question like jane's jane's easy she's three years old you know i can talk to her but my one-year-old son he cries at everything he's cute as can be i love him but (laughs) he can be annoying sometimes that's i didn't actually think you'd answer brian who what about you what kid is your uh i'm not answering that question okay I, I don't know. They they equally make me happy in different ways because Amelia's five and Brewer's two, but his personality is like, he's he's really ornery and it makes me laugh all the time. But then Amelia is so sweet and warms my heart. So it's it depends on my mood, probably, which, which one's my favorite. If it's close to bedtime and Amelia's fighting me, it's definitely Brewer at that time. But, you know, it changes. So thanks for the honest answer. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, I'm 
love traveling. Like doing that. Um, I also enjoy the NFT, learning about the NFT space. A few of us are in a text message together, which is fun. Um, also, Spencer's uh, influencer, getting to influencers. Yeah, I don't know anything about crypto. I'm like the old man in the group who still puts money in a coffee can and hopes, you know. Yeah, there's no interest there, so that's bad. That's a bad move with your money. Interesting to me, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, so, um, be, careful, be careful about the people who think they know. It's true. Oh. Yeah, I, I just, it's kind of over my head and I pay a guy to help with finances. And that's fair. Yeah, I'd rather that's just try to make it and save it and that's it. So, well, guys, thanks for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, real quick, I want to thank our sponsors, 1356 Public House, Ruben Brown, um, our division sponsors, Ketting Ice Center, Corner Pub and Grill, and Cardinal Blinds and Shutters. We also have sponsors in Logix, STL Cycle Saloon, and Andy's Frozen Custard. Um, we've got a few more podcasts coming at you in the next couple of weeks. It's actually going to start getting kind of frequent with season 20 just around the corner. I mean, we're a little over three months away from the season, so it's coming up fast. We're going to have captain interviews. I'm going to have Peter Light on to do a top 20 review when that is finished. Um, and then we've got Division Draw on February 20th at 1356 Public House. So stay tuned, see where everybody lines up, what the divisions are going to be, and maybe what games are going to be interesting on the on the schedule there. So uh, again, Gus, Scott, I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, any final words for, the, for your fans out there? No, thank you, Brian, for all you do for the league. And um, yeah, we can't thank you enough. So appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Brian. You got it, guys. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys in just a couple of weeks. Adios.